I'll beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with a microphone on Voice America Women's Network. And Catherine Zox joining me this morning, as always, is Lauren Beller, my co-host. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Good morning, Catherine. How are you? Yeah, you're a little late this morning, my dear, trying to get a hold of you. but just working on making you nervous. Yeah, I know. And you do it well, but you know what? It's good because I work well under pressure. And Lauren, we got a lot of pressure today. Not really pressure. We got good stuff today. We have a lot of guests today. It's Mother's Day's coming up. The theme of the show is Ladies First. First guest, Lauren, is Denny Hughes. She's a, well, she's U.S. Weekend Magazine's contributing editor and relationship tips writer, editor, and she's going to provide insights into resolving relationship irritations and sorting through a new survey on how snoring impacts all aspects of a couple's relationships. This is right up my alley because i got a snoring partner. So, uh, And then we've got in this half hour, Shelly Key, 50 Ways to Leave Your 40s, Julia Roberts, not the Julia Roberts, but a good Julia Roberts, a great one, Mother to Otherhood, and Maggie Marr, Secrets to the Hollywood Girls Club. But right now, Denny is uh, on the air and ready on the line, ready to talk to us. How are you this morning? Great. How about you? I'm fine, but you've got a topic, Denny, that is just right up my alley. I have a... <laughs> And I guess, should we put some numbers to it? Because you did do a survey about yes. the snoring problem. How many of, of us are suffering or have partners who are snoring and, and we're suffering? Uh, it, it, it's interesting to know that this is near and dear to your ear. Yes. <laughs> it totally affects you. Snoring actually affects about 50 million, uh, more than half of all U.S. households. And uh, I, I saw a survey from uh, Breathe Right Nasal Passages, uh, Breathe Right Nasal Strips, and I was, I was interested to see that when they asked, um, well, you know, what are the top three things that you would change about your partner if you could? The top three things were uh, lack of communication, which, of course, we know, lack of romance, and <laughs> stop the snoring, an abundance of snoring. Yeah. So, well, uh, those two, uh, two out of three are good for me. I'm not a romantic, so I don't have that problem. He doesn't have to be romantic, but the snoring and the communicating, real important. Okay, but so what do we do about it? How do well, we? Well, actually, that goes really, that goes hand in hand because because if you don't communicate to somebody correctly what it is that's bothering you in a relationship, they're never going to adjust it or fix it, or at least if it's something with a simple solution, they're not going to go looking for it because if you say something like you snored last night. As opposed to, you know, you're snoring and it's, it's affecting me and it's affecting our relationship, that's going to be more of a catalyst for someone to want to look into doing something about it as, as opposed to just being accusatory. Um, that's the kind of thing that when you don't take care of it and you have that big blow up one day, all of a sudden that comes and you snore. And she's like, I do. You never told me. <laughs> and, you're, and you're so right, Denny, but the other part of it is I think there's a denial at first. Don't you think so? And, of course, if you're accusing the person, they're definitely going to deny. Me, I don't snore. Well, it's like yes. I actually said I'm going to tape you during the, uh, This is probably something you definitely don't do, talk about accusatory, but I'm going to tape your snoring and prove it to you. Uh, yeah, you know, not, only, not only are they, are they, are they accusing people of, I lost my earpiece. Are they accusing people of, uh, you know, saying that you know, you're, you're making this up? But women are the, the, the biggest group that will say, I don't snore. Women never, ever want to admit they snore. 
because it's not feminine. It's, it has kind of a connotation of being kind of, you know, kind of crude and, and yes. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Know, what's, what's, here's what's, what's a big, uh, is, is a huge factor in affecting relationships, and that's more than 40% of people surveyed confessed to having slept in separate beds due to snoring. Now, you know that when you're missing out on your, you know, your sleep uh, and your bedtime, your pillow talk, Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. When you're missing out on, on pillow talk and that cuddle time, it really does affect your relationship. It does, but I'm guilty of that, too. I mean, you're just bringing up all my stuff. I'm doing it so the wrong way. We actually do end up sleeping in separate beds, and I'll tell you one reason why, Denny, because, you know, I'm postmenopausal. I don't sleep as well. So, you know, when you're younger, you can get back to sleep more quickly, so you really, like, cherish that sleep time. So is there anything else besides Going to separate beds or separate bedrooms that we can do? Yeah, you know, I, I actually, the, the, the simple solution, I asked, you know, talk to my husband about it. He's like, listen, I'm willing to try something as long as it's, it's easy and it doesn't have anything to do with popping a pill. Because the last thing people really want to deal with is, is some kind of a drug solution. Um, he tried to breathe right nasal strips, put it across his nose. Now, you know, not for nothing, but if, I, I think a lot of guys feel like, well, the athletes can wear them. Yeah. <laughs> it improves their performance, you know, I can do it too. It doesn't, it doesn't feel odd to them. I think, I think for women it may take a little bit more coaxing because they don't want to admit that they're snoring, but a simple strip across the nose opens up the nasal passages. Your sleep, you know, he's sleeping soundly, I'm sleeping soundly. It's a win-win because it's, it's kind of the gift that gives back. You know, he, he gives himself the gift of sleep. Gives me to get to sleep, and we're so much better in the morning, and even in the evenings as well. You know, in the evenings we're we're able to stay up a little later, talk to each other. You know, I I, I want to know about his day. I want to know about the things that are important to him. So, so when you put to, these, Danny, you put these over your nose, like right before you go to sleep, and then yes. you just leave it on all night long, and then take it off in the morning, and then use yes. a different one each day for the yes, snoring. Yeah, a different one each day, and it. It, it, you don't feel it. Once you put it on, it's, it's done and over with. You go to sleep and, it, and you know, I, I, a lot of people say to me, listen, you know, how do, I, how do I know this really works? I'm a total skeptic. And I say, you know, head over to stickittoyoursnorer.com. I love that. Stickittoyoursnorer.com. Stickittoyoursnorer.com. And will give you, t- you can take the 14-day challenge. You try the strips for 14 days. Um, if it doesn't work for you, you get a refund, but I, a refund in full. But I guarantee you that when you try this, you know, first of all, for, for the person who snores to actually go ahead, pick it up, want to try it out, there, there's a lot of like, you know, I love, the, I, I love the idea that you listened to me and my, it's important for you to do something for, for this, this, this situation and this problem. Yeah. And, and it really that. is important because I'll tell you, you know, when I'm at home and I have, I can, we can go into different rooms or different beds, but we travel a lot and so this really solves that problem because you can't go into a different room. I've slept in the bathtub before. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. The I bathroom? know. It's so, I'm telling you, when I hear that people are building separate master bedrooms or snore rooms in custom houses, I'm thinking, uh, you know, $5 for 12 strips or, you know, you get, get the extra two strips for the 14-day challenge. To me, that's kind of. Uh, that's, that's a win-win situation, as you said. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned that. I have a friend who did just that. They built a little tiny room off the master bedroom, and it is what you describe it. It's a snore room so that either one of them can go in there if, if, if the snoring gets too overwhelming. And, uh, yeah, that's a lot more costly than getting these, these strips. Okay, just tell us the strips again. we got about a minute left. So strips, where we can get them, and it's a 14-day trial. If you don't like them, what, you take them back, get your money back? Yep, you get an entire refund. It's 
stickittoyoursnorer.com, and you can learn a little bit about snoring and how the nasal passages work and, and the things that, you know, affect snoring on the site. It's a very, very cute site, very easy to navigate. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, bottom line is this. Your partner's happiness, if they're complaining about something and it really is affecting them mentally, physically, your happiness should be something that you're happy to, to uh, fulfill. If you don't find that your that your partner's happiness means anything to you, you have to take two steps back and reevaluate your relationship. Yeah, you're absolutely right because you're in it together. Let's face it. So absolutely. One, yeah, it's a it's a partnership here. Great having you on the show this morning. It Thanks was so really much. You solved the you. yeah. You solved the snoring problem of all these what forty millions. Of, I mean, that's a lot of people. Anyway, I'd really love for you to try it and let me know if you if you, if it works with your husband. You know, I will. I'll let you. Try. I will. I'll I'll uh, I'll call him up after the show and tell me how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Debbie Thank Hughes, you. USA Weekend Magazine's contributing editor and relationship tips. What do you think, Lauren? Do you have a snoring problem in I your do, situation? We don't, thank God. But, you know, it's interesting. My husband's in the sleep industry. That's what his whole, you know, that's what he does, too. Because snoring is a huge indicator of a lot of um, potential health health issues. All right, so that's, you know, we do need to mention that because, you know, when we're talking about getting those strips to put over your nose, I guess that's assuming that you don't have a major health problem. And I'm glad you brought that up because you're so right. I think like that sleep apnea and the snoring exactly. and stuff, can, can't that be an indication it's of that? Absolutely. If the, street, if the strips don't work, that's a good indicator that there's something bigger going on. Yeah, and it could be uh, can be serious heart disease exactly. or problems. So you got to get the... Yeah. Actually, I just heard on the news this morning. I don't know what I was listening to because we did have a sleep problem in our house last night, but it wasn't with the adults. No. <laughs> it was with baby Sierra. She was decided that she was going to be up at 4.30, but not due to snoring. But anyway, um, I just heard on the radio or the, new, the TV this morning that um, sleep, not getting enough sleep leads to obesity, and so that's part of the snoring issue. And I, I can understand that. I mean, I, I, I because don't you find? I mean, both of us are thin. But when I don't get enough sleep, I tend to, for whatever reason, I, I want to just eat more. And I, I, I get if I don't get enough sleep, I always get cold uh-huh. um, for some reason. And then I want to eat more. I guess calories or heat. I don't know. I'm just, but it's and I tend to eat more when I when I don't sleep or I start that grazing kind of stuff. Just eating stuff I don't even want to eat. So I can. Un- so, yeah, it does. It so it's a great topic, and I'm, I was shocked to hear her say that it affects half the households in America. That's amazing. But yeah, you think about it: if one person's snoring, it affects two. One exactly, and the other thing is that a lot of people won't, a lot of women won't admit it. There's something like nasty about it. I mean, even men don't want to admit that they snore, but women, it's very unfeminine, I guess, <laughs> to be like snoring. I mean, and. I'll tell you, I, I, well, I better not go any further because I, if my, and she, it's not my husband, it's my partner, so I better be careful. <laughs> it's true. I've revealed enough, I think. I better, but you said Rob is in the business of, uh, of sleep, so what's, what does he do? He uh, sells the sleep apnea devices that people actually wear. You know, they put them on their face and they wear them, and it's funny, I never knew so many people, I never knew that I knew so many people, but, you know, he'll get talking to, like, close family friends, and I'll, They'll say, oh, yeah, you're in that industry, and that's what I use, that such-and-such such product, you know, and so it's very, it's very prevalent. 
Yeah, it is. And I have a friend who actually wears one of those masks. Things. That's what they it have, is. That's yeah, they have to say they told you. I bet you you know five more people, but you don't know it. Yeah. Well, another thing. That's another thing that I think there are certain illnesses. That, don't you think that there are certain illnesses or certain conditions that we will all admit to, but then there are others nobody wants to admit that they. <laughs> this is they, one of those. That this is one of those. There's something. I, I, I don't know whether it's a stigma, embarrassing, whatever it is. I mean, there are certain things people say. Oh yeah, you know, and share their experiences, but other things like that, like the snoring and the sleep apnea and having to wear this apparatus are always kind of embarrassing things. It's good to get it out, though, to let other people know, I think, because I think so, too. Yeah. I think so, too, because it's, it, it's half, the mil- half the people in our country are having issues with it, and we're not talking about it. Hello. And, Lauren, since your husband's in the business, hello, what a great business to be in. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> Selling these apparatus, and I imagine... As I, you know, with the 78 million baby boomers and people living to be 100 years old, this is a good business to be in because you're going to have... a good business. Yeah, because yeah. some of that snoring stuff really doesn't happen, I think, until middle age, you know, when the muscles in the... Uh, is it in it's the... Your, uh, your neck. Yeah. Neck start getting throat. Weak, weak muscles, so the wind whistles through the muscles when you're falling asleep. I don't know. Picture really it. Like that. Yeah, really, like really that. romantic, folks. And that's a great romantic thought. Anyway... Uh, we only have a few more minutes. Well, no, we don't have a few more minutes, Lauren. We got like a few more seconds for this uh, seg. So we're gonna just, Lauren and I, are gonna take a break. And when we come back, we have Shelly K. Fifty ways to leave your forties. Who wants to leave their forties? I, I already left. Say, yeah, we don't want to do that. You're listening to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller on Voice America Women's Network. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll be back in a minute. Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are the days passing by faster than you can believe? Do your kids, job, pets, family, errands, and life demands leave no time left for you? Listen to Life Tune-Ups with Lauren Slocum each week. You can have it all, balance it, and truly enjoy your life. Be ready to have fun, laugh, and learn from celebrities and everyday heroes. We don't need an entire life overhaul, just a little bit of tweaking for our lives to be what we want. Life Tune-Ups with Lauren Slocum, every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Women's Network. Your life is waiting for you. Experts say everybody is addicted to something. Did you know that addiction affects about 15% of our country's middle class population? How many people do you know who are dependent on some kind of substance? Would you guess your friends, your neighbors? How about your family? You may be surprised. Many of us live with chronic pain, which has made us drug dependent, prescription drug dependent. Others struggle with alcohol, methamphetamine, and cocaine addiction. 
Do you have a chronic pain problem? There is another way out. Tune in each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for a new prescription for health with Dr. Richard Gracer on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zoff Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zoff Show. Good morning. Thanks for joining me this morning. And Lauren Beller, my co-host, Lauren and I. Our next guest is Sheila Key. She's going to, well, she's author of 50 Ways to Leave Your 40s. And we have to say, Sheila is, um, <laughs> she's an award-winning writer, a graphic artist, and she's worked for Popular Magazine. She is a writer. She's a former broadcaster and been on public radio, on-air personality. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Sheila. Hey, thanks for having me, Catherine. Well, I've left my 40s, and Lauren is just in, just sort of in the, Started her forties. This is my co-host. So, uh-huh. yeah. So, fifty ways to leave your forties. No one you, really wants to leave them, right? But it's <laughs> inevitable. And you Did talk. You say about, Lauren has just entered her forties. Yes, she's uh-huh. a baby. I'm a baby, but I'm forty-two, so I've entered it. I've been here two years. Uh, <laughs> you know, the the book idea came to me when I was only forty. Okay. And, and it came to me in the form of a book title on the tongue of a friend who was 50, and so we were going to write it together at first. She was going to, you know, she was 50, I was 40, and so I said, you'll be the voice of experience, and I will live this book in order to write it. (laughs) So I've been calling it, just in my own mind, it's been 50 ways to live your 40s, or even 50 ways to love your 40s. To love your 40s, I like that. Because you talk about, think about aging in new ways while not denying the inevitable downside of it. See, I think that's what's important, because... Talk to me about this. People say, you know, 50 is the new 40. That's not true. It, that's, that's the denial part of it. You, well, have, you know, I suppose, I suppose it qualifies, you know, as true in the terms of functional age if a person's been taking really good care of themselves. You know, I was, I was really shocked to learn that as recently as 1901, life expectancy for a baby born in the U.S. was 49 yeah, and wow. I thought it was 46, actually. And it, wow. You know, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I would have thought we would have had to go back to the 1700s or something mm-hmm. to get to a life expectancy that short. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago, really, 100 years and change. Yeah, and but, people and, were but, barely making it to 50. Well, it's true, and I don't want to get off topic, but one of the reasons for that was they died of, like, they died healthy in a sense. They died of viruses and things like that and accidents, not old age like we do. You know, the kinds of conditions that happen to us after we get to be over 40. But, okay, that's off topic. What about the book? All right, how do we do this? Now, you, I mean, what are the 50 ways to Give us 10. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we did, 50 is a pretty good number. We divided it into the, the sections of body, mind, soul, and heart. We started with body. We think that that's probably what most people feel first <laughs> yes. uh, or, or see in the mirror. Um, but, uh, you know, the first one we say is just keep breathing. And the yes. second one is love thy body as thyself. When you think about it, what is a 50th birthday but the, you know, the anniversary of the birth of your body, you know? 
Do you have to first, though, lament the fact that, I mean, like you say, love thy body. I mean, you look in the mirror. Isn't it harder? Isn't it much harder, Sheila, to look in and say, oh, my gosh, you're thinking of this 30-year-old body and you're looking at the 50-year-old body? How do you reconcile that? Yeah, you're feeling like a 30-year-old body and looking at a 50-year-old face. Exactly. I know what you mean. Yes, and my my co-author, Dr. Peggy Spencer, who contributed a, a medical column to each of the 50 ways, in, in the Love Thy Body chapter, she takes up the subject of uh, plastic surgery, which, of course, is such a, you know, getting to be an increasingly popular option and not just for women. Um, and so after she wrote it and, you know, the book was going to print, we, she, she whispered to me, does this mean that if I ever decide to have my eyelids done that I'm a hypocrite? <laughs> Do as I say, not as I do. How yeah. is that well, one? No, actually, and she's she's not telling anyone don't. She's only saying don't go into it blithely. It seems like you know a lot of plastic surgery clinics have sprung up around, and uh, you know I don't no, know. I, I wouldn't it's, do it's the, the kind of thing you want to do on a drive by. Yeah, <laughs> on a drive through. So you have to love yourself. You have to look, and you have to have a good self. Good body image, that's important. Do yeah. you think getting support from other women, is that one of the other ways of, of, of being able to handle this? Hang out with women your age. Yeah, Talk, well, yeah. well, definitely. You know, um, the, the, it's mostly, I spend a lot of time in the book talking about how uh, our quality of life, so much of it is born or dies between our ears. You know, it's how we think about age, how we think about ourselves. And, um, you know, society does want to define, you know, beauty in terms of youth. But anymore, you know, now with the boomers coming up through these years, it's like, well, more and more we're getting the permission, even societally, you know, to to be all right with being 50. So much of the advice out there is <clears throat> is about, you know, staying young and wanting to continue to look young or, you know, but... Which sometimes we're, gets we're, translated we're into that the better road to joy is the one called acceptance. Acceptance, and but, I think but, that but, but, that but, is that so. I'm sorry. That's the word. No, it, that's the word acceptance. Because you know, trying to look or be something. Uh, you, if you spend all that energy, and I think this is what the book is about. Yeah. Uh, trying to be something that you're not. That's right. a lot of wasted energy. Trying to be 30 when you're 50, but just instead of doing that, enhancing what you have at 50, and I think that's really important. Acceptance. Absolutely. That's really the and acceptance doesn't mean, you know, oh, bring me the rocking chair. I'm I'm old now. I got to accept it. No, we're still talking about being active and vibrant, and indeed, you know, searching for the things that are going to feed your soul. Well, uh, in your book, yeah. you take a holistic approach. So, what does that mean? A holistic approach to motivating motivating yourself to leave uh, your forties in a very positive way and to go on and. and Redefining your goals, you know, celebrating yeah. it. Well, the the holism, you know, defined is this idea that the that the that the whole is greater than the sum of our parts or the parts. And and you know, in in our society, we we do sometimes tend to want to focus on my weight, for example. You know, like we we pick out something that to us measures success, and you know, to heck with the rest. Well, that's never going to work because the the mind and the and the emotions are always a, along for the ride. So we're really looking at the whole person, you know. And you are more than your, you know, uh, waistline. You're yeah. more than your 
you know, skin tone. And don't you think, Sheila, that at different ages or different stages or different life stages, I guess I would say, yeah. um, that you can pick out, you, yes, it's the whole gestalt, the whole person, you're so right, but the things that maybe are your um, your assets at 30 may be different at 50. I know for me, I'm, and then I'm going to say it, I mean, uh, my education, my intelligence, those are really positive things and my experience. That I've got much more of that at age 50 than I did at age 30, and use it. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, this this is the, um, I think, the real joy of midlife. And this isn't just me being Pollyanna and yeah. putting, you know, drawing, drawing a big smiley face on it. I really think that after so many laps around the block, you know, trips around the sun, that's what a birthday is, is one big whole circle around the sun. After 50 of those, you've probably gained a lot of wisdom and the wisdom can bring you some some amount of serenity it, again it keeps coming back to this uh you know the acceptance that okay i may not be able to outrun my my colleagues but i bet i could give them some advice you know some perspective that they they haven't gained yet and yeah. and even in our own lives the 40s tend to be fairly transitional for some of us, it means our, our nest is emptying. For others, you know, we've just, we've just had enough of this, this career groove that we've been in for how many years or decades. And, and I also think, Sheila, another part else. of that, I think another part of that is because we are much more fluid in terms of what we can do at different ages, and I think you point that out in the book, but, um, 50 for some, 50 year olds, and Lauren, you're going to be one of them, 52, you'll have a 10 year old. So you're exactly. not going to be worrying about retiring or old age or sitting in the rocking chair. You're going to be running your, you know what off, your butt off trying to keep up with your 10 year old. And then you have 52 year olds who are grandmothers. So you have like the whole gamut of yes. you know, what 50 means to different people, don't we? Yes, we absolutely do. And so Peg and I were grateful that we had, you know, 50 chapters in which to kind of stretch out a little because we really were talking to, we are talking to a generation that covers a lot of ground. There are some, with, with the advance, advances in, in uh, fertility, for example, fertility medicine, you know, there are, there are women becoming moms at 50. Yeah, and that's another topic. Not that's a whole <laughs> right, other I mean, topic. I'm not so sure I agree with. Right, but we, right, I got to bring same. somebody on who you know wants to talk about that one because I think that is a, but, an interesting. Same, I got to ask you. We have a few more minutes left. Now tell us how old how old are you right now, Sheila? Right, uh, right now I am 48. You're 48. Okay. So having written the book, gone through this whole process, written it with your co who's a doctor. A, yes, and she's take, turning 50 this year. She's turning 50 in about a month. What have you guys learned? I mean, where has this taken you? This is a journey, obviously, to put this whole book together. And for you personally, because that's just about what you're ready to do. That's leave. right. So where do you stand? Well, we, we, uh, it's really this idea of the, of the, um, you know, the outlook, that if we can just keep a positive attitude on it, um, you know, and, and not, not give in to all that societal stuff that says you're over the hill and here's the black balloons and, you know, like that, just really keeping a, uh, a keen eye for what's going to feed your soul, you know. Um, yeah, just really enjoying life. And, you know, I think we get more comfortable with our quirks. For so long, we've, if, if you're anything like me, you've been kind of uh, filing away at, at, at the parts of you that you think don't fit right into the groove. And, and like, you want to you wanna get along and you want to fit in. And, you know, it's like eventually you come to a point where you go, you know what, this is 
how I am. Yeah, so this is what brings us kind of full circle, what you said, acceptance. This exactly. is who I am. This is yes. what I have to offer. I, you know, I can't, this is, I mean, it's not going anywhere. This is, it's here to stay. Yeah, and what about, I want to make sure that people can get your book because we have to say goodbye, but 50 ways to lead your 40s, living it up in life's second half, Sheila Key and Peggy Spencer, MD, website. Give us a website we can go it to. It is just like the title, 50 ways to lead your 40s.com. We use the numerals for the 50 and the 40 instead Terrific. of spelling it out. Thanks so much for being on the show, and good luck getting into your 50s. Hey, thanks, <laughs> and, and thank you so much for having me. Great, thanks. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lauren, so there you are. You've got, the, you've got a lot of time. You've got eight years to think about it. Uh, <laughs> and it, and uh, it, well, it's interesting because both of them, one's 50 or 52 and the other, well, she's 48, so they are leaving their 40s. But I do think acceptance is what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, it is. Absolutely, but yeah. acceptance not just of yourself, but I think of others. Too, you know, just acceptance of where of what life is, and rather than trying to change it, because I think so much when we're younger, we're trying to change it and make it what we want it to be, versus just accepting what is and working with what we have. Good point. Wanting it to be something other than what it is, and that's the other thing of spending all that energy trying right. to change things that we can't change, and then there's not enough energy left over to change those things that you can change, that you exactly. have the ability to make a, a difference. Anyway, thirty seconds left. And we're going to take a break. I'm Catherine Zox, and uh, Lauren Beller is my co-host, and you are listening to both of us on Voice America Women's Network. Thanks for joining us this morning. We'll be back in a few minutes with Julia Roberts, Mother to Otherhood, perfect for Mother's Day. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. JackLaVane.com presents Jack LaVane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how, three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. We all have issues, parenting, addictions, disorders, anxiety, stress. How do we expand on what's working and improve what's not? Let Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson bring you a high-energy approach to personal growth and creative life change. Listen every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Women's Channel. Let Beth bring you back to sanity with a blend of humor and perspective so you can make the change you need. Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson. Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, here on Voice America Women's Channel. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celestia Renese's Timely Topics in Childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're 
listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with a microphone and my life coach, Lauren Beller, my co-host. You're listening to both of us here on Voice America Women's Network this morning. Thanks for joining us. And joining us is also Julia Roberts, Mother to Otherhood. What a great name, Julia Roberts. And uh, the uh, topic today has been uh, ladies first, so this is perfect, Mother to Otherhood. Uh, there are 60 million moms in America busy taking care of kids, husbands, homes, jobs, careers, and they're often putting their own needs and wishes last or even aside in their selfless quest to protect and nurture loved ones. But now, once they've gone through that process, uh, we have uh, Julia Roberts here to tell us how to use the lessons learned as a mom to create a new life. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Julia. Excellent. Thanks. How are you? I'm fine. So you are a life coach with the name Julia Roberts. Did uh, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Did your mom know what she was doing when she named you that, or was she just unaware there was another Julia Roberts, or maybe she wasn't even famous at the time? A, she wasn't famous. B, she wasn't born. I'm trying to get Julia Roberts to use her middle initial. Do you think I have a chance? <laughs> you might. Give it a try. Give her a call. <laughs> Let me correct you on the title of the book. It's Motherhood to Otherhood. Mother, what motherhood did I say? To otherhood. Oh, mother to Otherhood. It's motherhood to otherhood. Thank you. Yes. Motherhood to step up to a new you. We definitely want it because we want because this is a great book to get for Mother's Day. So we got to have the right title. You're right. Motherhood yes. to otherhood. Step up to a new you. How do we do that? Basically, this book is about sort of looking at pregnancy as a way as a way that our lives change. And so, if our lives change enormously during pregnancy. How do we use it later in life to get our lives to change again and to get them to change in a family way in the context that we as mothers really need to protect and love? So I created a program I call Unpregnancy, which is basically taking nine months and the nine lessons from pregnancy for yourself at any stage of mothering that you're ready to, to have change in your life. All right, so would you do that, uh, would you do that uh, Julia, like at, let's say you had one child, you've been through the pregnancy, uh, then you can do this Unpregnancy, and then before you have another baby, you could. If you're ready to go, you're ready to go. I can't say when any given mother wakes up and says it's time for me to rethink my life. But I do know that every mother has had pregnancy in her life, and certainly there is no better model for change in her own life. Yes, she so did right, it before, right? You so know? You, you and you talk about you reclaim your power, your focus, your motivation, discover new goals, bring them to fruition. So talk specifically about how we do it. And I know you've done it because you are a coach. You've had a marketing career, a mom for over 20 years, and you also live in New Jersey, which is another challenge. So how do you do it? <laughs> That's funny. Um, so there's, I have nine lessons, for instance, in the book, and they each sort of bring forward labors that are tactical and practical to help you sort of get in touch with the sorts of things you would need to make change in your life. The lessons that come from pregnancy that I would consider seminal are things like you, when, you're, when you're pregnant, you feel extremely valued and important. You're on a mission. And so just getting in touch with your mission and understanding what it is that's really important to you and what's not. So it's a little bit of picking your battles. It's a little bit of just saying no to certain things and buying back some of your time. In, within the mission policy that I have, a mission statement that I have you write, I also have you write a giving policy. So many mothers volunteer way beyond what's actually meaningful to them. So if you had a giving policy, I only like to give to things that, you know, benefit my children directly when I'm face-to-face with them. I only like to give things to things that 
benefit the theater because that's really important to me, or I only like to give to things that, you know, whatever it is that becomes part of your mission. So important. Yeah. I don't want to go gloss over that because I identify that is so important what you just said. And I want to just add another piece to that because I think mm-hmm. that over like you're, you're so right, you know, giving and volunteering and all that kind of stuff really gets you in trouble. And I was a single parent with three boys. I had help, but I had three boys and lots to mm-hmm. do. And I really did what you said. And I think it's really, I only volunteered to those things that really directly involved my own children instead of, I don't want to be helping everybody else's kids and leaving my kids unattended to. So that was real so that important. That was your giving policy. Unconsciously, exactly. that was your giving policy. Right. That was my giving policy. Absolutely. And the second thing that you said, the whole thing about, well, theater was another one. So that I always gave in areas that I thought were important to me, like the theater, like the plays, the school plays. And it makes it a pleasant thing. So what you're saying is so important. You've got to focus on that giving. Define your mission. Real important. And then your giving is actually a better gift because you're giving non-resentfully. You're giving with your passion, and there is no greater gift. Exactly. And I think that's an area that mothers all have to really look at their giving because we all give so much. I mean, that's that is our gift. That is also our, you know, also our shortcomings sometimes. And don't you think really? you have to be able the other side of that is to be able to say, no, I'm not going to bake cookies for the whatever it is because I don't like baking cookies. I'm going to do. I'll do something else, but I won't bake the cookies if, unless that's Precisely. your thing. You have to basically say that is, um, you know, yet then you have a good rationale for saying no. I say yes to a lot of things. I don't say no, I don't say yes to everything. So you have a good rationale for saying no. I think that's it's hard for some people to say no to anything. So it's good to say, here's when I say yes instead of I'm saying no to you. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll do a better job, and you have more to contribute if you're doing if you like it, Absolutely. if it's your passion, and, and if you're skilled at it. Okay. Next. So now, what do we do? So then there's another thing where, um, for instance, um, when you're when you're pregnant, you have a often a nickname for your baby, and you often have this little baby voice that you use, and it's a very encouraging little voice, right? So you go, oh, hey, baby, we can make it up the hill. Come on, you know. <laughs> um, let's say you're on a diet and you're talking to yourself and you've just eaten a cookie. Do you have your hey, baby voice? You know, <laughs> no. your little inner witch comes out and it's like, hey, expletive deleted. <laughs> if, you could get, if you could get your goal to feel like your baby and get your goal, you can even nickname your goal, but that, you know, some people feel like that's hokey. I don't really tell you how to do everything. I just give you ideas. But you you do need to get your internal voice to be a mothering voice. You need to mother yourself to come to a change. Mother yourself for a change. So, mother yourself. So that's a, I, and I hadn't really heard it put that way or read. You know, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Mothering yourself because we don't think of that. We just really think about nurturing everybody else. And, and meanwhile, most of us are would consider ourselves pretty good mothers. And if anything, we feel a little hurt that nobody was is helping us that way. But we're there. We can be. We, we're talented at that. <laughs> we're good at it. We're skilled at it. We've got the. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Don't you think we get mad at our partners or husbands sometimes because they don't mother us and we want to be mothered, and so then we end up getting angry and blaming them because we're not getting what we want. Well, and then uh, now my book is in three trimesters: one, two, three. And the first one's about yourself and doing something for yourself, whether that's for your health, your spirit, your energy, whatever it is you need to address first for yourself. My second trimester is about your relationships, and often you do have to look at your relationship with your husband, or sometimes it's your mother, or sometimes it's your children. But most of us, again, we're, we're in a context. So if we want to get to otherhood, which is whatever career or calling you have in mind, we need, we need to start with ourselves because we're usually undertended by the time we get to this point in our lives. We need to get on with our relationships because we don't want to get there alone. We want to get there whole, you know. That's, so I do have three lessons that have to do with pretty much getting more help at home, getting some of the anger out of some of your relationships and rebonding and re-empathizing with your 
with your significant others, whether that's friends, family, parents, you know, children. You have what about the re- getting more help at home? That's a hot topic, and I'm a great that believer a hot in that. Topic. Yeah. Um, All right, let's, let's give some, you know, how do you get more help at home? I think one of the things that I, I have a, a thing that says you don't know what to expect. And, um, you know, like what to expect when you're unexpecting. <laughs> <laughs> if you have this situation in your life where you're, where you consciously put your expectations into relief, you look at them carefully, your expectations have so much to do with what mood you have in any given day. So if you're able to look at your expectations anew, because when you were pregnant, all of a sudden everybody's expectations for you shifted. Everybody was like, oh, she's going to quit work. Oh, she's not going to quit work. Oh, she's this, she's that. Everybody suddenly had a new expectation for you. So just all of a sudden you were aware of expectations that you weren't normally aware of. It's sort of like you go, oh, I'm, that's not right. I'm, I'm not going to do that, or that is true. I, I, I will be like that. But you had your own set of beliefs or, or values that you reinforced at that point because everybody came forward with these expectations that surprised you. Or didn't, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Have you done this for yourself? Give us an example. Um, I have. I've actually, I know. Um, I've actually kept expectations journals, and I've had seminars where people have left for the week, and I've asked them to just kind of keep an expectations journal through the week. And people come back with pretty um, surprising observations where they felt like, I was so mad. My sister's always late, la, 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 la. And um, she doesn't get that I can't do it. I'm a single mom. I can't run late. And, and the thing is, all of that anger had to do with an expectation that, Suddenly, she'd be on time when she'd never been on time before. You see what I'm saying? So your expectations become become what's causing most of your mood. So if you can absolutely, uh, you know, I had this happen in the context uh, of a friend the other day who's getting a divorce because her husband's and all these unethical and unmoral, immoral things. And then she said, the last thing she said to me, "Well, he should pay for this and this if he's a moral person." I looked at her. If he's a moral, that's your expectation. You're leaving him because he's not a moral person. Like, what are you talking about? It's like and you know, this- how much are you going to hurt yourself getting to? How much are you going to hurt yourself before you get to that? What, what's obvious to you is less obvious to her, but it hurts her to not see it. Yes, Don't you exactly. agree? I totally agree. Now, we're in the mm-hmm. second trimester. We've got to get to the third trimester. Third trimester is when you really look at your calling and what do you want to be when you grow up kind of thing. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you understand, if you've heard this before, but Darwin, when he named maternal instinct and observed it in the wild, he was out in the jungle. Um, so not just humans, but all primates have ambition as part of the maternal instinct. Ambition is a naturally occurring thing in mothers, according to Darwin. Interesting concept, because um, we don't hear that very often. You know why? Because the Victorians didn't like that. They liked the self-sacrifice stuff that he also talked about. <laughs> <laughs> the Victorian England just didn't like the, the ambitious aspect of his theory of maternal instinct. So, but it does, that doesn't mean it's not instinctual. That doesn't mean it's not there. It just means that it was sequestered by a Victorian England of the, of the 1890s. Yeah, so we took our attitudes, those Victorian attitudes, and kind of like said this is the way it really is, but it's not necessarily. It's not. It's not. But I mean, so the bottom line is, maternal mothers have a naturally occurring ambition in post in postpartum years. We and it's part of it is driven to better the lives of our children. Part of it's just to better the world of our children. But generally, it's a naturally occurring ambition to um to it's a naturally occurring ambition in mothers. So in your third trimester, you want to basically understand, acknowledge, and accept your ambition. And I think that's hard for mothers. That's a very basic thing, but I think that's hard for mothers. And I think it has a lot to do with sort of this tamping down that has that has happened for now, you know, more than a century, where we felt like um, 
ambitious mothers are kind of equated with stage mothers in our minds. You know, it's, yeah, I think it's, you're so right. It's the it, it's sort of the uh, and it's been a real not a good thing for us. You know, that if you're ambitious, then you're aggressive. It has all these negative connotations that we kind of have to fight against. So, uh, want to make. It, yeah. A hundred years ago, they told us this is this is naturally occurring, and yet we're supposed to somehow be ashamed of that or or, or apologize for it. You see exactly. what I'm saying? So, I do, and I you know I want everybody to buy because this is another great book for Mother's Day. So you can go to your website, to Julia Roberts's website, Motherhood to Otherhood dot com. You can get the book at bookstores everywhere. Wonderful book. Even even if you don't have it, aren't going to give it as a gift. Get it for yourself. Motherhood to Otherhood. Step up to a new you. Thank you so much, Julia Roberts. Thanks. I appreciate it. I yeah. had a good time. I did, Thanks. too. We're going to take a break. Lauren Beller, Catherine Zox, Women, Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Thanks for joining us this morning. We will be back in a few minutes. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Let's face it, hormones happen. Whether you are male or female, hormones have an impact on your overall well-being. Dr. Hart brings to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel timely topics that answer your lifelong questions about hormones in men, women, and teens. Tune in to Optimal Wellness every Monday at 12 o'clock p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Optimal Wellness. Live life well. Live life long. Live life to the fullest. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to the Catherine Zock Show. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Good morning. And joining me this morning is Lauren Beller, my co-host, and our next guest, who is Maggie Marr. 
uh, who's perfect for the topic of the show today, Ladies First. She's the author of Secrets of the Hollywood Girls Club, and we're going to discuss her book, Maggie's book, A Spot-On Insider's Look at an Industry in Which Those at the Top of Their Game Must Do Anything to Keep from Being Brought Down. It's a real fun book. This is another book that you can buy for mom or sister or grandmother for Mother's Day. And uh, Maggie is a writer and producer for Six Mile Ridge Productions and Dahuma Productions. She began her Hollywood career as a motion picture literary agent at ICM Talent Agency in Los Angeles. So she's had lots of experience. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Maggie. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, this is your second book, am I right? It is. Yeah. The The same cast of characters. That's exactly right. The first book was Hollywood Girls Club, and it introduced the ladies to the world, and and the second book is the sequel, yeah. All right, so Maggie, who are these ladies? (laughs) (laughs) You know, you mean really, or? (laughs) Well, well, I was going to say, yeah, really would be good. Should we start with who they are in the book, because it's a novel, and then who are they really, if you want (laughs) to tell us? We'd really like to hear that. Well, you know, the first one is, her name is Celeste, and she's kind of a, a big star who's put off her career for a while, and she's starting to worry about her age, I think, like a lot of female celebrities do. She's 36 years old, but she tells the world she's 32. Um, yeah. And then Lydia, who is the head of a studio, um, and then the next one is Jessica, and she is now a producer-manager, and then Marianne, who is a screenplay writer who moved from middle America to L.A., and they've all become great friends. And these are all very high-powered women, obviously. And as you, well, it describes your book, these women have to take on a new challenge, the Hollywood rumor mill, which is what's happening. You know, we have access to that every day, don't right. we? So, yeah. Right. Now are you going to tell us who they really are? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. They, my my friends in the business who read the book, often they'll call and they'll say, is that so-and-so or is that? And I... It, it is true that some of the people do have characteristics of people that I know, but I never consciously picked one person and decided to parody them or use them uh, as the pers- as a character in a book. I think that my unconscious mind instead just took a bunch of stories or things that you see happening when you work out here and turned it into a really clever book. Yeah, it is a very clever book. And it's kind of, uh, you know, I would think it's somewhat of a... It, a composite of different women who are, you know, part of that Hollywood culture, uh, which is a really tough place to be, uh, isn't it? I mean, this is like one of the, I think this is the challenge on a daily basis for these high-powered women. You know, they're too old or, you know, people talking about them, creating rumors. Everybody wants to bring them down. You know, I, I think that what's, what's great about Secrets, the second book, is that each one has their own struggle, and it's a struggle that any person that works in the business could be familiar with. I mean, Celeste, you know, is an A-list type of actress who's worried about her age, as well as the fact that there's a sex tape that might get out. Um, and then Lydia, who is the studio executive, she has to keep a multi-billion-dollar studio on top, and she's she's responsible at the end of the year for all the receipts, the ticket sales, as well as she's starting to get kind of these threatening notes from a stalker. And then you have Jessica, who's trying to juggle motherhood and making movies. Uh, and dealing with a different celebrity who's a little bit nutty. And then Marianne, who, you know, she's been an anonymous writer her entire life, starts to date a celebrity, and she sees her anonymity slip away. Um, and these are all things that people here in town either have friends that are familiar with or can be directly familiar with. And don't you think everybody wants to everybody? I think there's sort of this kind of like... Uh 
a cultural thing, especially not when men and women, but we're talking about women today. You know, everybody wants to be famous and glamorous, just like the characters in your book. But I mean, as you point out, or as the stories unfold, it's not. This is all. These are all the, the realities, the things that they have to confront. I mean, when you're 32, 34 years old, and you think you're old, and you've got three wrinkles, um, this is what you're dealing with when you're out in Hollywood and you're at the top of your game. So it's not so easy uh, when you get to this point. Um, now, talk about, because I like to hear your story, you know, what made you decide to, well, you started out, this is the second sort of series to this book. How did you get into this? What made you think, well, hey, I'm going to, you know, write this kind of a book? Well, you know, I was an agent at ICM, and I, um, it was funny, I, you work so many hours when you're an agent. You generally work about 14 to 16 hours a day. And I kept hearing this voice in my head telling me this story, and after I would go to bed, it would even wake me up. And so I thought to myself, well, I'm just going to write this down. And I've always, I had always dabbled as a writer, but I had never really considered it as a, a career. I mean, that's, that was one of those things that I didn't think would be possible in my life for me. So, Maggie, working 16 hours a day wasn't enough for you. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> or maybe it was the insomnia. I couldn't, couldn't <laughs> Got to fill in the time in the middle of the night. Right, that and the BlackBerry will do that quite quite easily. But um, so I did. I just started writing it down, and it was my husband, actually, who said, you really should give this to one of your colleagues. Um, and I did, and I gave it to her kind of in a cowardly way. I gave her four chapters and didn't put my name on it. You know, because I, I really didn't think it would go anywhere, and I didn't want to muddy that relationship by her, you know, turning it down. And she said, who wrote this? I, I love it. I can sell it. And, and I told her, and she said, well, is it finished? And I said, no, but if you can sell it, I'll finish it. And, uh, and I did, and she sold it, and, and it was a two-book deal, and it was a very lovely deal. And, um, and I decided when I was writing the second book that I should do this full-time. I was just really concerned that my clients, I didn't want my clients to ever think that I was spending time doing something other than taking care of them. So, Maggie, you actually gave up, because ICM, I mean, that's, that's obviously for those in the know or even those not in the know. ICM Talent Agency is one of the biggest in Los Angeles, so you mm-hmm. had the guts to say, I'm going to give that up and, and, and write? I did. I, I did. You know, writing the second book under a deadline was very different than writing the first book, and, and ICM it represents me now, actually, you know, for television, film, and, and for my writing my book. So what's nice about the business is that once you've kind of built your Rolodex or become a part of the infrastructure, you can step away or take on a different role and still maintain all those contacts. Yeah, because people know you, and so you're you're sort of in that whole genre, mm-hmm. that whole venue, I guess. And so Because you're doing something else, too, as I understand it, aren't you? You just completed the television pilot, Daughters? I did. The television pilot Daughters is completed, and right now I'm developing a pilot for this year with uh, Mandible Films, um, and then working on a screenplay, which, fingers crossed, we don't have an actor's strike. I mean, nobody nobody wants that out here, but it's looking like it's quite possible. Um, so, yes, I'm doing those two things, and then we're finishing up a third manuscript. Well, is it fair that you're so talented? How do you, uh, it's amazing to me, I mean, you're just so able, not just, just to go from, you know, doing a film, doing a television plot, uh, talent agency, writing a book, but you do it and you're real successful at it. It's not just that you dabble in it. Do you have any, you know, a few minutes left, any secrets for the rest of us? I mean, how, you know, how did, uh, obviously your mother raised a superwoman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are such kind words. That, wow, I, you're making me blush. Thank you. That's really nice. No, I I think that it really is about 
perseverance, I guess, or and, and in some ways, you know, what what is the saying? Uh, luck is when preparation chance meets the prepared mind, or something. Yes. Like that. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You, so yeah. So I think it's a combination of those things. I guess it's just if you want to do something or try something, don't ever take no. You know, you hear it all the time. It's so cliche, but I think. You kind of have to do that. And something else you said, because you talked, you said something about your husband, not too much, but it sounds like he's a supportive person in your life, and you need that too. You surround yourself with supportive people. I mean, obviously a partner, a spouse, and 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 others as well. I'm so blessed that way. I I really I look around my life every day and and say that I'm a very blessed person to have my husband and the family that I have. But, yeah, well, maybe I agree with you, you. May just met with your husband. You just make good choices. You're a lady <laughs> who makes really good choices because you weren't blessed with him. I mean, the rest of your family, your mother, you can't choose, but he, you chose, and you made a really good choice. That's true. Yeah. So let's talk. We, get, we well, I want to make sure everybody knows, obviously, listeners want to buy the book, Secrets of the Hollywood Girls Club, Maggie Marr. You can go online at bookstores everywhere. And, Maggie, do you have a website that we – yes, you do, MaggieMarr.com. Yeah, I do. And I blog a couple times a week, so, so please oh. stop by. Terrific. So we can hear more from Maggie, just not on the Catherine Zock Show, but you can go and, and uh, her, she blogs. You blog twice a week. So go to MaggieMar.com. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Oh, thank you for having me on. Happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, she's an incredible lady. I mean, Lauren, wow. I mean, this is like, I'm just very impressed because I happen to know the business. As you know, I have a son as a filmmaker and an actor and a person in the band. So this is really tough. And she's just like honed in and become so successful in this Second book is a great book. It's a fun book. Get it for your mother for Mother's Day. Anyway. So, Catherine, did you ever think that maybe her mom was sort of like you since she raised a child that is like your kids? Yeah. <laughs> Love you for saying that. <laughs> we can say goodbye. That's a great note to end on. Happy Mother's Day, my dear. Happy Mother's Day to you, my yeah, friend. Sierra's got a great mom, and she's a lucky gal. Anyway, so we will uh, wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. Have a great day, and um, thanks for joining Lauren and me this morning on Voice America Women's Network. I am your social worker with a microphone. Lauren and I will uh, see you next week. Have a have a great week, and we'll see you next Thursday.